Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. Really excited to have you back listening. This is another episode in conjunction with Dropbox, bringing you an episode about creativity and collaboration as part of a four-episode mini-series. So make sure you listen to all of them. This podcast is obviously about creatives, the internet, their work, how to get more done in less time. And Dropbox is a collaborative platform for teams enabling creativity through their product suite of many tools, which helps teams all over the world stay in flow, stay up to date with each other and move their work forward. I wanted to give a shout out to Dropbox Paper. Whilst planning this episode with the four authors, we didn't want to go back and forth on email sharing ideas. So we used Dropbox Paper, which is similar to Google Docs, but it's much quicker and sleeker in my opinion. And you can embed pictures and links and you can keep track of comments um, replying to each other. I found that really useful. And if you are working on projects at the moment with multiple moving parts and multiple people, I really recommend it. So in these four very special episodes, I'm interviewing the co-authors of Creative Superpowers, a book published by Penguin about relearning key traits from our childhood. So the authors of these books are Daniele Fiandaka, Mark Earls, Laura Jordan Bambark and Scott Morrison. So the author I'm interviewing today is Scott Morrison. He is the founder of Unleash the Boom, which consists of incredible bespoke programs, workshops and one-on-one coaching focusing on creativity and finding the space, the time and the tools to unblock old thinking, unlock new opportunities and unleash an amazing team ready to make your business boom. Scott has worked with Saatchi and Saatchi, Levi's, Diesel, Nike, so many amazing agencies and brands. He's worked in agencies, he's worked as the client, he's worked in a startup. I really enjoyed this episode with Scott. We talk about how to lose the ego and why that is really important for creating great work. So I hope you enjoy this one and make sure you check out the other episodes in the series with the other co-authors of Creative Superpowers. Hope you enjoy this one and thank you to Dropbox for making it happen. And here it is. Hi, my name is Scott Morrison. I am the founder of The Boom and my company is effectively a creative consultancy helping businesses and brands unblock unlock and unleash new ideas, new ways forward, new organisational changes and creative outputs. Love it. And I love the book you co-authored with the others who I'm also interviewing. Thank you. About unblocking and unlocking and, and actually just becoming more confident as well in your creativity. One thing I love that you talk about is playing to everyone's strengths in a team because we're not all good at everything. We all have superpowers. How do you make sure that you are tapping into everyone's sort of best skills a great question uh, i got one of the best pieces of advice ever from a friend of mine i think it's fairly common now but he did say to me once uh, whenever you lead a team always hire people that are smarter than you mm. and i saw that that's a bit strange and it feels a bit <laughs> counterintuitive but actually once you get over the ego side of it it becomes an absolute it's one of the most liberating things you can possibly do because once you recognise your strengths and you've got real clarity on your strengths, it frees you up to stop thinking about weaknesses. Mm. And the only context you think about weaknesses are, actually, where am I not so strong? And therefore, who can I bring in, either hire or bring in from other teams or look at your own team, who can fill those gaps? And then actually, you just create this incredible team of really smart people who are really strong, who are really pushing you and pushing each other but as a collective unit, you're almost unstoppable. So a good example is, I'm not, I, I know a way around a P&L, and I know a way around numbers, you know, 
However, I'm very good at telling the story, but I'm not always very good at going into the detail. And when I was at Diesel, I hired into the team this absolutely brilliant, she was called Harps, absolutely amazing numbers person. And between us, it was a bit like a double act. So I was able to say, here's a story I want the numbers to tell. And she would go away, do crunch mm-hmm. all the numbers and come back to me, everything in one page. Amazing. So I could just take that story to my boss and then we managed to make the business move much quicker. But just by hiring people that are smarter than yourself, I think it's just such a, once you get over the ego bit, it's a very, very powerful tool. Yeah, I actually get such a buzz when I am eat like, at a dinner or in a meeting where someone's just so on it I'm just like I'm going to learn from you and I'm going to be better and together we'll be better I, well it's, it's brilliant because a lot of the time when you're a leader you sort of think I've got to be the one who comes up with all the great ideas and sit I'm the sort of spokesperson for the business but actually what's great is when you're in a meeting and there's five of you around the table and somebody's asking questions you go you know what I'm going to pass that to that person or and then as a team as a united front you just look incredible and then the whole team always wins rather than yeah. having to be this and I, I see it in politics and all these sort of things where People feel they've got to be the front voice mm. and really just bring your team in and play your team in and you'll just look great and amazing as a, as a united front in everything rather yeah. than a, sometimes getting things wrong, you know, and looking yeah. a bit stupid. Do you think that also plays into this idea of kind of it doesn't matter who gets the credit? Because I think that's difficult and I've read that before. People have mm. said, you know, don't, you don't have to be the one that gets all the credit. It, it's just if it works, you should be proud of what the team created yeah, as yeah. a whole. No, I, t- I, I totally buy that as well. And, I, and that's something I'm, when I used to run my teams, that was something that I really believed. Because I think at the end of the day, the most important thing is as a team, you look great. In a business, you know, most people, there's a go-to team in the business, whether, and it doesn't matter what department you're in. You know, so when I used to run the UK business, the global team would come to out my team and go, you guys are the go-to team for all the innovation and all the new practice and stuff, and that's what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable, and you just then, then as a team you are outstanding. And yet, you know, sometimes it's nice if somebody does say, "Oh, well done, team," or you know, that was their idea. But it's not essential because you kind of know your place in the business and you understand what you're doing, what you're delivering. Yeah, and I think that's just really, really powerful. But I think you know, the two questions you've you've asked are really, you know slightly at the heart of, of some of the things we talk about in the book but yeah. it's this kind of it's the visceral nature of human beings right mm. and it's that ego thing and half the time the biggest unblocking that I do in my business is just helping people unblock their ego does it matter if you get the credit for that or your team get it what, what's the bigger win does it matter that person's smarter than you or not ultimately what's the bigger win and once people yeah. step back from that and this kind of visceral thing bubbles down a bit and you start to see the wider picture and see that actually if you're part of a bigger thing everybody wins then that's when people see real progress and real power yeah i can remember in brainstorms when i worked in agencies and it'd be like (laughs) i want to be the one that gets the idea i want to impress the client and then some and then you learn that actually no if someone else comes up with the idea and you add to it it's just as valuable and just as amazing totally and actually from it's funny because i work a lot with agencies and clients together and it's quite interesting when you're a client and you're in those situations what you perceive as the agency is, oh, I'm coming up with all the ideas, from a client perspective, is perceived as, well, this team isn't very good if there's only one mouthpiece. Yeah, that's so true. And the reality is, if, if you're really good at the ideas, but you can bring someone else in and say, what do you think, uh, Doreen? What do you think, Stephen? What do you think, Sarah? Suddenly, from a client perspective, everyone go, you look at the team and go, these, these are, this is a tight unit. Yeah. I can't do without any of them. Again, that's counterintuitive, right? Because you want to be, you know, you can't do without me. No, no. In an agency and a service-led business, you can't do without the team. Yes. I think as well, some of those statements that I've made, they're, they're sometimes easy to say if you're at the top of a business or you know, you're running a team. 
But you have to say them because you've got people underneath you coming out. And yes, if you are just starting out in a business, you do want to get credit for the work you've done. I think that can happen behind closed doors. And, and that, you know, you can say that was fantastic. You know, feedback is always massively important. Yeah. But it's always, I think, as you, you know, the lift as you rise was something I was always taught. You know, as you go through the ranks, make sure you're bringing all those people who are working with you, along with you, because the more you do that, the more the more strong your team yeah, is. Yeah, definitely. Something that you said a, a while ago, actually, so I'm sure you still think it, but um, <laughs> I think it was a few years ago, but that you should be brand-orientated, not business-orientated. And I love that because I've actually created businesses accidentally off the back of a brand that I've created. Yeah. Um, I wondered if you could talk about that and how, you know, the strength of a brand and what that can bring. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's quite funny because when I... When I left corporate world and I started my own business, I fell into all the traps that I tell people not to fall into. So I first started out with a kind of a, a, a relatively solid business proposition, but it, was, it, was, it wasn't very brand-led. It was just very business-oriented. And, and within six months of doing that, I was like, what am I doing? I, I was having a bit of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. I was going, I've always said create the brand. Just create a brand and then everything else will sort of fall into it. Of course, you've got to have business sense. It's not about just creating something with nothing behind it. Yeah. And I'd, and I'd forgotten all about that, which is quite funny when you, you're great at running everyone else's business and when you start your own. And then one day somebody said to me, Scott, we want you to come and talk at this conference, but we need to know what you're going to talk about within the next half hour so we can get it all in because we're, we're right behind schedule on the programming and everything. I was like, okay. And I've been running these things called boom sessions with, with some of my clients. They were just hour-long, quick energetic bursts of inspiration and people really engaged with it and really loved it and I was like hang on a minute light bulb moment I'm, I'm, I'm not creating a brand I'm creating something that I'm not falling in love with and I suddenly flipped everything into the boom I said mm. I'm going to create a brand called the boom because the brand is rooted in the feeling that I want people to have when they work with me mm. and so and, and you know I often try it out when I'm with people but I say to them well, when something goes really well and you're on top of the world and you're telling people about it, what's the first thing you say to them generally? People say, boom. And I said, exactly. Yeah. So if you could have the boom in your business, then that'd be incredible, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. You don't have to, at that point, start telling them all the products that you do. You just have to work with them to help deliver that. And then that's the power of the brand. Because the brand is this thing that, again, I talk a lot about visceral mm. um, engagement and emotional attachment to things. If you can really lock in on someone's emotional need they go, yeah, I really need some boom. Then, <laughs> yeah. great. Well, let's think about how we do that. Yeah. And the, you become synonymous with that, the boom, yeah, and exactly. that feeling. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of my clients say, get the boom guy in. He's, you know, we need, we need some boom. And that's a lot more powerful than saying, you know, I speak to some of my friends and they call themselves, I don't know, John Smith Consulting. And I say to them, how's anyone going to differentiate your brand, in inverted commas, or what you do from any other one who has consulting at the end or marketing at the end of their thing? Mm. And then it becomes, you know, and in some cases you might have a great reputation, so it's fine. But if you're just starting out and you just call yourself that thing, it's very difficult to get any cut through in the market. If you attach yourself to a really strong feeling and create a really powerful brand, it might shift. You know, what the boom is now might not be what it is in five years' time. I might be a food business. I don't know. It could be anything. But, but what I'm, I'm, I'm always massively an advocate for and of is really root your your business in a brand you know yeah. really 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 make people feel so emotionally attached to what you can deliver and make sure it's really relevant you know don't just call yourself skush or something i don't know <laughs> and then what's that well we're a you know digital mapping agency <laughs> what are you call skush you know um but <laughs> i think that you might could, stick <laughs> yeah someone else might use that now but if you can really call yourself something that's an emotionally engaging 
thing that hits somebody's needs and you can create a brand around it. It's just so powerful. Yeah. So pow- I saw something yesterday. I saw this wonderful brand and it's just called Sleep with three E's. S-L-E-E-E-P. And it's an, an earphone that you put in your ear to help you sleep longer. But the, the line underneath was for a longer sleep. But I just thought, what, now I'm, I'm engaged with that brand yeah, because yeah. It's like, it, it tells what it does and I know exactly what it does and it's got you know, it's kind of an emotional attachment but they've been quite clever about and, it's, and now it's an earphone but in five years time it could be beds yeah, it could be yeah. blankets or it could be anything because they've just captured something I think is really really yeah. powerful as a brand and so immediate yeah exactly yeah. and you get it straight, and you kind of have a bit, and, and there's something quite wry about it yeah. it's a bit like, we love a pun in yeah, exactly. Britain don't we <laughs> <laughs> so it just made me smile and I thought oh that's quite nice you know I can see what they've done so yeah Brands are, you know, they're never going to go away and they are, they are powerful. And with the growth of your company and obviously the boom, and it sounds like such a word of mouth kind of and on social and when you're searching for your company, you know, it's like that actually. You want to kind of pass it on and say, have you heard of this guy that runs the boom? Um, but how do you kind of make sure that you're collaborating with your team when you're away? Because what's interesting about some of the other guests I'm interviewing and you is you've been away this week and you travel a lot. <laughs> yeah. How do you collaborate with your team when you're away? It's quite interesting. Um, I, don't, I don't per se have a huge team. I do have lots of collaborators that I work with. Um, and a lot of the time, you know, I, I, just, I just think the world, in, in the book we talk about the age of creativity and just the hyper-connectivity that exists now that didn't exist, even, even when I started out. So everything from... I don't know, from WhatsApp to any, any platform. And indeed, I've, as I've just started using Dropbox Paper, which I've been using Dropbox for years, and collaborating just on this alone, so easy, because hyperconnectivity is here, right? And now we can do everything in real time, we can do everything live. I've just been in the States, and I'm, and I'm working with my clients over stuff, over, you know. I just think it, there's no excuse these days. And, and a lot of people say to me, I was doing a workshop yesterday, People saying, yeah, but Scott, in this age of remote working, how do we, you know, how, how do you keep the inspiration with each other and everything? I said, you know, it's, it's so easy now. If, if you'd have said that 10, 20 years ago when agencies were growing and they were building all these networks and you had to be physically in an office in an environment. Yeah. I said, I know companies who do, every morning they do a remote yoga. They do like a, 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 a yoga session on Skype. Aww. 30 of them every morning. So they are together, but they're, yeah, they're not. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, well... If the principle of actually to be really good in anything, you need to connect. You always need to be connecting and connected. Now technology allows you to do that. But a lot of people, I find, they, they miss that element of connection. So they miss the first bit. So they go, well, I know connection is important, but if I can't do it physically, then that's not connection. It's like, no, no, you're missing the point. Connection is absolutely important. It doesn't really matter whether it's technology-driven, face-to-face, over the phone, whatever, you just have to have that as a key principle. If you've got that as a key principle, you'll always find a way. When you scratch the surface a little bit, what you find is people are locked into really old ways of what connectivity is, which is just no use to them anymore, mm. or deep down, they're really not a connective tissue person. Yeah. They prefer to work on their own. They're a leader who's quite isolated and likes to command and control rather than someone who likes to get their hands dirty and be really connected. Mm. But I think what's happening more and more, those people in businesses who are really keen to connect and really want to go far and really want to have that outreach, they're the ones that are making their way 
through the business rapidly globally and so many companies are going to have to get with it in terms of you know i remember at an old company i worked at i mean i i work really hard and i would be there really late and but i would get in at maybe 905 instead of nine because sorry (laughs) i am late sometimes um and i know that you know that sounds really entitled like oh i'm allowed to be late it was just why why are you obsessed with that five minutes yes because i'm i'm here two hours after so what is all this kind of well, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of there's a lot of I think it's, a lot of it is kind of just the old way of thinking about things. Like people, was it presenteeism? You know, yeah. people feel like they have to be somewhere. They have to show their face all the time. I mean, I do I do a lot of work. Um, I do a lot of one-to-one work, leadership work, and I often in those kind of circumstances, what I quite often talk to people about is how do you reposition your value back to the business whereby visibility and presence in the office is not the thing that is where you're most valued? Yeah. It's other things. How are you keeping the wheels turning? How are you giving real clarity to people in your team? How are you dealing with the big stuff? Mm. And how are you out in the market? How are you making with, money yeah, for how the are you business? Making money? How, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I find sometimes people can get really rooted in this this presenteeism, well, you know, the only way I add value is if I'm sitting in every meeting or I'm, or I'm speaking to everybody or I'm always in the office. Or, it's like, no, no, no. That's one facet of your value. But actually strip it all back and go, what would it, if you were in front of 10 entrepreneurs, I don't know, I'm making it up, but speaking about your business and how it might help them. Or if you were on a webinar once a, once a week with every single person in your network all around the world talking about the best practice for your business, what kind of value? And I'm not just talking like 2%, I'm talking 10x value, mm-hmm. exponential value you could create in the business for yourself, for your teams, for your business. But you've just got to think broader than this, well, if I'm not in the office, then you know nothing yeah. happens. Or we used to have, a, when I was at Saatchi's years ago, they used to joke if you came in late, or if you left early, they'd say, I'll oh, bring you sandwiches tomorrow and make a day of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of laugh at now, it's quite yeah. funny. And they were different days. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I but I still see a lot of that now. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. clocking in, clocking out. I've done my shift. You know what happens in those things? You know, productivity levels. Four thirty, the whole yes. memes and gifts going around saying, <laughs> "Yay, it's Friday!" Yes. You know, can I have some cake or some yeah, tea? Yeah, exactly. Some... When's the birthday? The next birthday party or what? You know, <laughs> yeah. people aren't working for that that hour. No. You know, uh, and so it's like, well, if if you were to send them home at three thirty, and they were to be spending some time with their kids or. But how much more productive would they feel in their lives or indeed be for the business? Because they might go, I'll just get up Saturday morning and do a little bit of something. You know, I think there's just this whole idea of flexible working has had such a bad name in the past. This idea of, oh, flexible working, well, you're a bit lazy. You know, I don't know if you're really working. You can't work from home. Now we've got all this suite of tools that can show people, you know, you are working, you are creating value. But I think in people's heads, you just need to shift... The business needs to shift its mindset and individuals need to shift their mindset to be able to say, here's where I create value. Here's what value means to me. Here's where it links back into the business. Now let me go and do that. Yes, it's so true because productivity, you're right. It it looks looks very different in many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One thing I also love that you talk about is um, commercial creativity and and how you can be creative in the most uncreative maybe industries or offices or you know what's not conventionally known as being creative Mm. and I find that really interesting because I still think there's a misconception around creativity that you just love it and you just do it because you you don't want money you just want to be creative and it's like 
it's okay to want to earn money and yes. be creative. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you still talk a lot about that uh, in your uh, work? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, loads. And whenever I'm doing a, whenever I'm doing one of my talks, I, my first question to the audience is like, hands up in here who feels like you're creative. And I, and I, and I do that with loads of my clients as well. And some who you would just not think of as traditionally creative. And then you see a smattering of hands generally, you know, unless you're a you know, very creative thing and everyone's got a hand up. But generally, 30% of the room will put their hands up and say they're outright creative. And then at the end, when I've done my session with them, I then ask them, right, how, who now feels creative? And then most people put their hands up. And I think there's, there's, there's two things. Firstly, we, we get so wrapped up in the world of commerciality and of business and of day-to-day that we forget about creativity and the role it plays in all of that. And then I think, because we've got these kind of weird job descriptions and roles and things that are set for us, we sometimes think, oh, I can't, I can't be creative in this field. I'm mm-hmm. a commercial director, can't really be creative. Or I'm a financial director, a lot of finance director, a lot of them say, can't really be creative. And it's like, well, you can, actually. And a lot of this thing is just unlocking the narrative that you use in the office. So when I speak to FDs, I'll be like, well, what deals are you doing at the moment that you could be doing in more interesting ways? Well, what do you mean? Well... Look at all your trade deals. What do they look like right now? How could you be creative with those? How's your, I don't know, wholesale and distribution strategy? How could you be more creative in that? And suddenly when you give people a bit of license to go, I hadn't even thought of that actually. Now, and now, now think about your value back to the business. Your value isn't looking at spreadsheets. Your value is how do I join these dots in new and interesting ways? Yeah. Now be creative. Oh, okay, right. I've got a great idea. You know, I've just worked with a, on, on my other business, which is called ThinkSprint. We've just created for, for one brand who is a very, very traditional brand in the way that they conduct business. We've helped them change their commercial model going to market from a quite straightforward one to much more of a subscription model. And they're just like, well, we didn't even think we could do that. And it's like, well, you, you can. You've got license to do it. When you look yeah. at the, the dots that you have and you just think creatively and join them up in completely different ways, amazing outputs start to happen. And then if you, everyone's thinking that way, and you can engender that kind of thing in a business, you're off. That's you know? so interesting. And, and, it's, and it's true, everyone is creative, but oh, is, is, it, is it something, I was trying to kind of work out why it's such a weird thing you, that you can't admit. It's almost like arrogant to be like, hi, I'm, I'm very creative, <laughs> but, but, you, but we yeah. all are. Yeah, we all are. I, I, I often find a lot of it is just getting, I, I keep using the word visceral, you know, but I, it's just the thing that I am absolutely, I just absolutely believe is somewhere along the line we sometimes we sort of cut this creative umbilical cord and we go right I, I don't know I'm a CMO now I can't be creative my agencies are creative for me or my team are the creative and I fell into that trap myself sometimes or you you, you just see creativity as well it's the arts and it's this and and then you, you just start to believe your own sort of rhetoric of well I'm just not creative mm-hmm. and just when you help people reconnect to creativity in whatever form, quite often I'll get people to tell me stories about when they're at their most creative. I tell you, I, you, I, you sit around a table like this and then you say to them, what, what, when was it you were most creative? Uh, oh, I once wrote, I was in a band and I once wrote three songs and they got That's so creative. Or, but even, or even, well, last week we were stuck on this challenge when we went through this route and we've come out with this amazing solution. And it's only when you start attaching or reattaching your, your visceral sides to those outputs and saying, hey, this is creativity, actually, you start to go, oh, I am creative. And then add to that, businesses have just got to get their head around, you know, I mean, we use these labels like creatives and 
creative director and I get why we use all those that's fine but businesses have got to recognize that everyone in their business is, is creative and start to give people license to make that creativity happen so I work with some business and they say we've got this thing where if somebody comes up with a good idea we put a load of money behind it and we see what happens and I'm saying to them well why don't you split that big budget into a hundred different pots and then just put a hundred different problems up and then get people in the business to solve them oh yeah good idea and if everyone had five grand to solve a little problem and you solve yeah. 50 of the hundred imagine how much quicker your business would move and, imagine, and it's less risky you're just like spreading it out and seeing what happens exactly and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but it's better that it doesn't work on five grand than it doesn't work on half a million quid yeah and also what it says is we're a business that believes in the creativity of our people and we know and again this is borne out in loads of stuff most of the time the people in the business know the problems and more often than not if you squeeze them hard you they'll give you the solutions because they're there every single day they know what needs to happen and then we bring in all these external creatives to do all that. and then people are sitting there going well i i already knew that so once you throw the the reins back to the people in your organization give them the license to be creative give them the tools i mean i, I always i'm a big fan of threes you probably you will know but my my the three things i always say to people in creativity is you just need time and we don't give ourselves enough time to do anything these days so you you need to give yourself you know i don't know an hour half a day a day whatever you need space you step out of the office get in the street mm. i do a lot i do a big thing called street wisdom when we get people out on the street using it as a creative tool but get out of the office and get out of the environment and then you need tools because creativity is a kind of fire hose just thrown all over the office is no good if you've got templates or simple ways of capturing people's ideas again back to objectives or back to the problem you know a little red thread time space and tools you'll get your business going yeah well, that is an amazing note to end on because that's really practical. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> Great, thank you. For talking to totally me. enjoyed it. Thank you. Brilliant. Imagine a workplace with no distractions or disruptions. No endless searching to find the latest version. No constantly switching between apps. Now imagine a place where everything just flows. At Dropbox, we're building a home for all your team's work with a suite of tools that maximizes inspiration and minimizes distraction. Because when teams are in flow, everything just clicks. Visit dropbox.com forward slash flow. Dropbox. Keep teams flowing.